Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, let's start this way today. How are you? It, you know, Ava's not here, so I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm still codependent, right? Yeah, it's oh, like, Ron, how are you feeling? I don't know. Let me ask. I'd have to ask Eva. I, I totally know. get that. When people ask me how I am. I I check to the person <laughs> to my left or right. Hey, to, how am I? You tell me. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's always my test for codependency when you know the couple sitting on the couch and you know uh, ask the guy. You know, um, let's check in. You know, what's been a high and what's been a low and and he immediately looked at his wife. Right? <laughs> okay, boy, we got we got some codependent issues. Yeah, we've here. got some work to do. Well, <laughs> I I can't actually today tell you where I am. To be able to sit in this studio and record these kinds mm. of conversations is an incredible joy. Uh, to be around like-minded people. But the thing that I'm realizing as we look at our episode downloads over time, as we look at sales of the book that you and Eva wrote, people are getting help and they're they're finding health a lot of them for the first time in decades. I mean, this is just really inspirational work and the content that we're putting out is making a big difference. So I just want to take a second before we start this episode to plug, if you are finding this content helpful, please get on there and leave us a review and be sure to rate the podcast. But most importantly, share it with someone in your life that you think it would be beneficial for. Uh, We have seen health spread that way for decades, and uh, we would really appreciate you taking that step as soon as you finish this episode to share it with somebody that came to mind while you were listening, right? So we have a pretty important guest this episode, one that you've been in a relationship with for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Troy Haas. Uh, Troy's been a friend. Um, uh, for many years, uh, we met uh, when we were in Atlanta, and uh, I got connected with Troy through the uh, Walking Free Ministry that uh, is part of Hope Quest that he'll talk about. Um, and and then Melissa, his wife, uh, was just a uh, a great uh, part of uh, Eva's recovery and growth, and so they've been friends and. I guess mentors and um, yeah, we collaborate together, and uh, it's just great to do life with um, you know do something you love with people you love. And uh, Troy and Melissa are two of those people. Yeah, Troy's president of uh, Hope Quest uh, Ministries or director of that, uh, which includes the uh, Trek program, and it's a twelve week inpatient residential treatment program, um, and it is one of the only. Uh, Christ-centered and clinical treatment programs uh, in in the country, actually, and they do tremendous work. We refer to them um, often, um, and we trust the work that they do. One thing you said, and uh, I can't wait for our listeners to hear this, that there is a distinct difference um, between getting sober and experiencing freedom, getting free. What a, what a huge distinction there. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times it's just like, certainly the goal is sobriety, um, but sobriety doesn't always mean freedom. It just, it may just mean, you know, I was a 
jerk uh, before I got sober, and I'm still a jerk. If I was at deer camp, I'd be using another term. Right, that's right, that's right. So this episode, I think, is going to be particularly helpful for those who have set uh, the target too close in uh, or for those who just have this white-knuckle grip on sobriety like it is the only end game out there. So without further delay, here's our conversation with Troy. It's always good to have guests um, who certainly have known, been friends with um, uh, over the years. And uh, Troy, uh, uh, man, you are one of those. Um, uh, I was a part of your ministry in Atlanta uh, many moons ago, and now uh, to what we call Walking Free, which is part of the Hope Quest Ministries. We do a group here called Walking Free. So, dude, you've been a good friend and mentor and um, just uh, have always enjoyed spending time together and hanging out, uh, whether we're talking about football, uh, which I do not want to talk about uh, any longer. Uh, it, it, once again, uh, it's over early for me. I'll so, stay. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll enjoy my fall, uh, yeah, as I do very often. Uh, you still have some hope. I do not. So that's how that goes. But man, it's good to have you with us and just to kind of talk about this world that uh, we work in and um, the work that you do um, and just even your story. Uh, so man, if you uh, just uh, don't mind, kind of give us a Cliff Notes version um, of kind of how you um, walked into uh, doing this work. Uh, I think you read it all in a book and decided that that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, it was uh, kind of like my life's dream uh, to struggle with sexual brokenness and to uh, cause great pain to my family and my friends, and uh, then ultimately let God redeem that and and put us in this particular space. Yeah, you know the 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 interesting thing is, and I appreciate all that you said. I, I do. Um, I, you know, we love you and Eva, and uh, our relationship uh, is uh, has always been a real blessing to to Melissa and I. Yeah, my story is 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 interesting in that as long as I can remember, addiction has been at play in my life. Um and and you know, there's some reasons behind that. You know, we can look at trauma. There's definite trauma there in my life. Uh, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and that's that's an indisputable fact, but but the reality is Addiction's always been there. And while God has always been there in terms of his presence, God was never a part of my life growing up. And so I think that's one of the things that just caused uh, my life to kind of just spin out of control the the older I got. So elementary school, uh, sex addiction was a thing uh, that I struggled with. And then uh, as I moved into middle school, drugs and alcohol became a thing. Uh, that I struggled with. And and so addiction kind of defined much of my life and and, and most of my relationships uh, growing up. And and again, God was not a part of that, uh, which made which made an already challenging situation worse, uh, if I could say it that way. But the beautiful thing is, you know, God, uh, God loves us, God pursues us. Uh, and I was actually, I was a guest of the state of Texas, Roan, um, in the uh, the Harris County Jail, and uh, it was there in December of 1986 uh, that I really came to realize that the, that God really existed, that God really loved me, that He had really sent His Son to die for me, uh, 
And I, 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 as best I could, surrendered myself to him, trusted my life to him. And that really was uh, a huge, uh, significant, biggest ever, if I could say it that way, turning point uh, for me. And part of what God did in my life was God helped me really find a path of recovery that helped me get sober, if I could use that terminology, from drugs and alcohol. Um, that was 36 years ago, and uh, I have been sober uh, from the context of drugs and alcohol since then. But getting sober and getting free are two mm-hmm. different things. And uh, sobriety is never the, the goal in recovery. Sobriety, as we know, is not the opposite of addiction. The opposite of addiction is connection. And uh, really, addiction is uh, intimacy disorder. And sex addiction in particular, an intimacy disorder deluxe. But for me, um, just to kind of say it this way, as God came into my life, as I began a personal relationship with God, um, I, I, I exchanged some things. So I, I exchanged a life that was dominated by drugs and alcohol and sex for a life that was dominated by trying to win the approval of others and trying to make up for lost ground and trying to somehow prove that all of my dirty, yucky past was behind me. And we don't ever perform our way or serve our way or minister our way out of stuff like that. That's not God's plan and intention, ministry and service to others. It's supposed to be an overflow of what God's doing in our hearts and lives. And so um, that ended up kind of very quickly morphing into what I call kind of a dual secret life, where on one hand, uh, I was a, I was a, just a, a, an on-fire believer, loved Jesus with all of my heart, wanted to help others know him, wanted to serve others, uh, felt called to ministry, went away to um, a small uh, Christian university in Texas, uh, and there began to kind of live out this, this, this desire and calling to serve others. But I had a secret that nobody knew about that I kind of kept hidden. And that secret, you know, was not just behavior and sex addiction and sexual brokenness. That secret was childhood sexual abuse that I had never told anyone and trauma that I just assumed Jesus took it away. It was all under the blood and it didn't matter anymore. And I didn't have to worry about it. Whereas the truth is, I, you know, I was like Lazarus covered with grave clothes and I just put a coat and tie because back then serious followers of Christ wore coats and ties and didn't have facial hair, by the way. Uh, the, the the church I was a part of, my, the first church I worked at, uh, you know, coat, tie, short hair, no facial hair because that's how Jesus did it. Um and uh, that was, that, that was what he looked like. Actually. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I no sent pictures of him with a coat and tie and, you know, short hair and no facial hair. I mean, you know, anyway. So just that dual life, Roan, uh, really, I hated it. I, I hated the hypocrisy of it. I hated the hiddenness of it. I hated the, you know, I, I, I it just, I hated it. And I wanted out and I tried on my own strength. And, and so many different ways to try to find my way out of it. The thing I never did was tell anyone else what was going on. Uh, and, and I assumed, as many guys do, if I can meet a beautiful, godly woman, uh, that will fix everything. Because we all know this. We all know marriage fixes all of our problems. 
And uh, mm-hmm. sex in particular in marriage is just nothing but rapturous bliss uh, anytime, everywhere, whatever. We Exponentially want. increases the, Absolutely. the longer it Absolutely. Goes. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, I met that beautiful godly woman and, and you, you know her and she is. She's an amazing, bright. I mean, she's beyond bright. She's, a, she's amazing. She's just amazing. But she couldn't fix me. She, she, she wasn't supposed to fix me. Uh, and so I just continued to struggle. I didn't let her know about my struggles. And eventually, serving as a missionary overseas uh, with the International Mission Board, eventually my secret dual life became exposed. It became known to others. And that was the worst day and the best day of my life in that it was horrible because uh, there was great pain that I caused. Uh, there was great turmoil that I caused. It was so much hurt I caused. Uh, Melissa lost her career. I lost my career. Many folks were hurt through my choices and then the revelation of those choices. But it was the best day because it was that day that Jesus pushed me out into the light, pushed me out into the open, where I could really start to be honest, authentic, and real. And I've said this a thousand times. You've heard me say it. I say it all the time in Walking Free. Secrecy kills. Honesty heals. And I didn't realize that until, uh, you know, 22 years ago, and I got pushed out by Jesus into the light, and I couldn't keep those secrets anymore. And that that act of grace on God's part towards me allowed me to stop keeping secrets and to start uh, being honest and living in the light. 22 years ago, um, you know, my my recovery date was... uh, when I got uh, ambushed by Jesus and drug into the light, uh, February the 11th, 1990. And, and, you know, there wasn't, nobody really knew how to work with this uh, back then. And even, you know, you were a little further uh, behind me, but again, there just wasn't a whole lot of people that knew how to deal with uh, not only us on the, on the addictive side, but certainly those on the partner side, yes. um, because uh, you know um, it's like um, like Melissa Eva's world completely blown up. Yep. Who is this man? Those same things, and uh, nobody was really working with betrayal trauma uh, of the partner. So as as when you when all hell breaks loose, and even though I know exactly what you're saying, it was a it was a terrible day, but it was a it was a great day right. in a sense. Um, so where, where did y'all go to get help? What did you do after that happened? So when, when everything blew up, the international mission board sent us to a place in Fresno, California called link care. It's a crisis counseling center at the time, a crisis counseling center just for missionaries. So, uh, missionaries from around the world, primarily North American missionaries from around the world, uh, who had crisis to the point where they needed some, some residential help. Um, would would go to Fresno, California, and we the the International Mission Board got us there, paid for us to be there, took care of us, and and put us in a position where we could experience healing. And it was there at Link Care that I got honest for the first time uh, about everything I'd been doing, about this secret hidden life, about the trauma from my past, about the childhood sexual abuse I'd experienced, uh, and and just as we got honest and began to deal with things, uh, you know, we began to realize there, there's more dysfunction beyond just you know, the addiction behavior and the secret dual life. I was a very angry person 
and primarily angry at myself, but you can only be angry at yourself so much till that begins to spill out and leak out uh, onto others and those closest to us. Uh, in my case, Melissa and my children, uh, you know, were just like, man, why is he so mad all the time? What is what is going on? And 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 what they didn't know, and I really didn't know until we began to work on it. Is I had all this junk and all this shame and all this unresolved trauma and just all this self hatred and and and. Uh, I needed to deal with that. So we began to really just focus on uh, uh, me having a right relationship with myself and with God, and then began to work slowly on on, on repairing uh, that relationship with Melissa, which really first revolved around just being honest and doing a full disclosure and really kind of owning everything that I had done and all the different impact of, of, of what I had done. And then as we continued that journey, um, we began to to kind of ask God, okay, God, what's next? We were actually there in Fresno for seven months, getting intensive help at Link Care. It was wonderful, but uh, you know, it was time to kind of move on. And and, and God ended up leading us to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, really, the reason God led us to Atlanta was to continue that journey. We got involved with a couple of counselors, uh, continue to do individual counseling, continue to do marital counseling. And this is where Walking Free and Journey come in. I, I began to look around Atlanta for groups. And you would think, I mean, Atlanta's a big city, uh, lots of churches, lots of great ministries. Bro, I couldn't find a group. <laughs> I literally could not find a group. I had no idea that uh, Mount Perrin did what they did. And I don't know how long they had been doing that when I arrived in Atlanta. But I, th- there was, I, I didn't know about it and no one told me about it. So as I began to look for a group, I realized there was no group. So I asked God, what am I supposed to do? Because I knew community. I knew relationships. I knew a group, a, a, a safe group of other men. I can be honest, all authentic and real with was vital to my recovery. So God said, start one. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wish I could say, Roan, today that altruistically I did it uh, for you and others. But I, I did it because I needed a group and I couldn't find uh, anything else that, that was worth going to. So we started a group. And uh, shortly thereafter, Melissa, again, same boat, no groups for partners. So Melissa started Journey, uh, again, as much as anything for herself. But just to, for us to walk with other people who were in the same shoes or in the same boat that we were. Um, and. Here we are 22 years later and the rest is history. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, that, that group, that connection piece, um, you and I've, uh, certainly talked about it. Uh, you live it, I live it. Um, you've gotten to experience some of the you know groups that we have over here. And it's just the idea of like, as you said at the beginning, you know, the cure for addiction, it is connection, yeah. uh, connection on a deep level. And so often, Man, finding a group, uh, yeah, what I, it was 1990, um, you know, my therapist is like, Ron, you've got to go, you've got to find a group. And I mean, back then, you know, there was no internet. Uh, some, some people listening don't even, uh, they can't imagine, you know, that, that time in history. But we you actually had, had a, cassette like, tapes back then. Yeah, it's so weird. I know. It, you actually had to like call this phone number. It was so clandestine. You know, your shame is already so great, and then it's like you've got to do this kind of shameful. Like you, you, you call a number, somebody calls you back, 
and then the the meetings and it was certainly it was i mean it, it were at least there were meetings that's yeah. what I'll, I'll say but yeah they were always in the basement of a church in the mechanical room right. you know metal folding chairs through the back leaky door pipes yeah leaky pipes and a naked light bulb you know we because we were the sex addicts right. you know those guys nothing yeah yeah great yeah yeah just to to help heal you from your shame, this is yeah. where you're going to be. <laughs> oh gosh! So, you know, certainly uh, I, I had gotten connected uh, with your Walking Free group. That's where we had met yep. there in Atlanta, and um, and so let's just talk about that just for men, uh, or is on on that the the addict side of the fence. And you and I have talked about this, uh, you know, the term uh, addict and betrayer, and I don't know. It's just like we use that term just as a descriptor of kind of the one that's acted out. Um, right. uh, it's not always an addiction. It's not always in a compulsion. It may be a one-off affair. It may be something, you know, uh, maybe porn. So I always tell people, don't get hung up on the terms. Right. It's just the way we we kind of frame this stuff. So when just in working with men um, and uh, just that part of how important is it in their recovery uh, to get connected uh, in a group with other men that are moving in the same direction? I mean, I, it goes beyond importance. I think it's vital. And mm. if it doesn't happen, the chances of someone finding lasting freedom, lasting recovery uh, is, is, is greatly diminished. Um, you know, uh, we talk about this, this, this idea we, we threw out there earlier, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The goal is not sobriety. The goal is connection. That's what we were after to begin with. That's why we're doing the addictive things or the compulsive things or the sinful things or however we want to describe those things. I, I, I'm with you. I, I like to describe myself as a child of God um, who does all manner of stupid stuff. But I'm not defined by the stuff I do. I'm defined my relationship with God, but I've done all sorts of stupid stuff, uh, sinful things, hurtful things, uh, addictive things, but that's not who I am. But the, the reality is you and I know literally thousands and thousands and thousands of men who have tried in the context of the church and, and, and in the context of their relationship with God have tried to overcome pornography, affairs. Uh, lustful thoughts, uh, any kind of thing, anger. And the, the, the key component I see, Roan, that causes guys or that, that ends up resulting in guys not having lasting freedom, not having lasting success, is the aloneness, the isolation that we struggle in. Uh, because when I'm alone, I can think anything I want and not be challenged by reality. When I'm alone, um, I believe all of my thoughts and I believe the things that I'm feeling are true and they're accurate and, and, and the beliefs that I carry are true and accurate. And it's when I get in community with others that, that, that shame is able to dissipate and that, that I can see the things that I'm believing that really aren't true. I can see them for what they are because now I've got, you know, I, I say to you, hey, Roan, you know, wh what about this? And you're like, dude, that's crazy. That's, that's not accurate at all. <laughs> uh, but to me, it feels, it feels completely accurate. I believed it my whole life. And that group context allows us to be known, to be loved, 
but also to be challenged in our our wrong thinking and in our entitlement and, and the other things that cause us to struggle. It's that group, those other men that can push back against that. And there's no more powerful place to combat shame, to just to get up in the face of that, that belief, that voice in the back of your head that says, you're uniquely screwed up. You don't measure up. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that group context where that is confronted and it crumbles uh, because what happens is I, I'm finally honest because I believe this. You, you and I both believe this at one point in our lives. If you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. And I get in group and I tell you the real me and I share the real me with you. And you don't reject me. You don't run away from me. Instead, you love me. And we actually feel more connected because of the honesty and the authenticity. Uh, And that room is the central key uh, to fighting freedom. Amen. Well said, my friend. I, um, as you, I, I tell these guys all the time, I do these groups and all the things that I do because not because I'm some, you know, answer man or recovery answer man or Bible answer man. It's because I just freaking need it. And I know I need it. If I don't do it, uh, I think I'd last, uh, man, I've, I've worked so hard and I've grown so much. I think I'd last, I don't know, a day and a half. I think, yeah. maybe, I, I, yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, if, maybe if Bible knowledge set us free, Ron, I mean, I'm a, I'm a seminary graduate. I'm an ordained yes. minister. I was a friggin' missionary. I, I well, had you, Bible you knowledge. You had achieved, that's the holy grail in Christendom. You were there. Exactly. You, you were right. And, and yeah. yet it did zip for my recovery. It did zip for freedom. I, I um, uh, because again, I struggled secretly in private. I never let anyone know. No one at seminary knew this about me. No one, no one at the the, the mission board knew this about me. I kept it. My wife didn't even know it about me. And right. when we hide, remember, secrecy mm. kills, honesty mm. heals. And and certainly, you know, just it's almost as if, and we talk about this a lot, but it's almost as if the institutional organizational church kind of sets up the hiding behavior. Yes. I, I, I mean, it, it, it just lends itself to it. Um, and, you know, I sat out there, I, I came to the Lord when, you know, when I was 20 years old and, and I was all in and, uh, you know, this, I, 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 I was, I was always say I was an E addict, you know, it certainly could have been all of the above. Right. Uh, I, I should have been an alcoholic and a sex addict. Uh, but when I came to the Lord, you know, the desire for alcohol, right. that went away. I became a specialist, and all of my addictive energy went into yep. my sexual addiction. And I would sit there, and I would hear the things, you know, this is what you need to do uh, to deal with sin. You know, pray harder. I always, always said, does that mean grunt? I think that means grunt when you pray. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I think I think whatever it is, you have to be kind of on your knees, uh, and you have to be Something. really serious and committed That's it. as you pray. Yeah. Well, I tried it. I tried all of it. It didn't work. And you know, read your Bible more. All the things that that I heard, and um, of course, none of it worked. And you've heard the a thousand. I mean, ten thousand stories. The yes. same thing. Literally. And yeah. And you know, getting into 
true authentic community where you take that mask off and you uh, begin to talk about good, the bad, and the ugly, um, you know, that's where the healing comes. And I mean, it, it's the shame, uh, especially around any kind of sexual acting out. The shame is so insidiously deep with that because it goes to the core of our soul, I believe. And it's just that most sacred part of who we are. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, I love how you kind of talk about the church here because, I mean, I, you and I both love the church. We're huge fans of the church. I mean, uh, as the CEO of HopeQuest, this is my first job where I haven't been in direct church-related ministry, either serving as a pastor of a church or uh, planting churches as a missionary. Um, so I love the church, but the church really drops the ball in this area of really helping men connect and take off masks and be authentic. And, you know, I pray, I pray often that the church would rise up and really get it. And in the meantime, um, uh, what I love to see is is groups like Walking Free and and groups like Deer Camp. I, you know, when I, when I went to Deer Camp with you guys, my, my, one of the things I said to myself was, this is what church ought to be like. Guys are being honest. Guys are confessing their sins. Guys are talking about their deepest fears. I, I remember at, at the deer camp I was at, there was a guy who was a very sharp, very successful dude in life. And he was confessing this horrible fear about his marriage and how his marriage was just, he was afraid, was crumbling before his very eyes. Wow, that ought to happen on Sunday morning. That ought to happen yeah. in the home group. That ought to happen in the church. Thank God for Deer Camp. Thank God there's a place that can happen. But my heart's desire, and I know yours as well, is that somehow the church figures out how to how to facilitate those kind of connections, those kind of relationships, and that kind of authenticity amongst men in the church. Dude, it, it, I believe it is the key to life. And, and you've heard it. I've heard it. You know, so many guys that get plugged in and, you know, if they, if they engage, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's when you really see life begin to change. And then they'll say things like, man, how did I live without this? Um, I, I survived all these years without this. I don't know how I did it. Right. And, and it's just, it's just a fact. It's well, the, the reality is we didn't survive. Yeah, we well, hoped. Yeah, that's we good hoped, point. we managed, we we sinned, we controlled, uh, we got angry, we hid. Um, yeah. we, we didn't survive. I mean, we're, we're no. alive. We didn't yeah. die physically, but <laughs> we it. didn't survive. We, we hurt no. ourselves and we hurt so many around us. Now, today, when they find that community, I think what, what guys are saying is, this is what I thought it was going to be like when I first surrendered my life to Jesus. This is what I thought it was going to mm. be like when I first showed up at church. Uh, that's what they're oh, yeah. experiencing in places like Walking Free and Deer Camp. Uh, because again, you, you, you look and you realize, man, I, I, I've been a believer for 30 years. I, I've been involved in church faithfully every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. Every Wednesday night, Monday visitation, Tuesday Bible study, you name it, I'm there every time doors are open. And yet there's this emptiness uh, and this this fear and this lack 
of true authentic relationship where folks really know me and they really love me and I really know them and I really love them. Dude, I think that's the abundant life. Yeah. That, uh, just, yeah. Maybe he talked about, I don't know. I, I read that somewhere. Right. Um, so uh, Troy, talk to us about just kind of the uh, hope quest, the overall um, ministry and then the Trek program and yeah. uh, all that you guys do. So, so Hope Quest is a family of ministries that help men and their families impacted by addiction experience freedom and hope. Uh, you know, I, and it, it, it's born out of my own story in that I was in the church, but I was not free. And, and I love that story of Lazarus. Um, when Lazarus came out of the grave, he had been all the way dead. He wasn't partially dead. He wasn't uh, Princess Bride dead. He was all the way dead. And when he came out of the grave, he was all the way alive. He couldn't have gotten any more alive than he was when he walked out of that grave. But Scripture is very clear. Though Lazarus was alive, Lazarus was not free. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is Jesus could have whisked him off to a private place. Uh, Jesus could have escorted him to a counseling office. Uh, Jesus could have spoken a word and Lazarus would have been free. The grave clothes would have been gone. But Jesus knew the power of community, the power of relationship, the power of authenticity. Jesus knew secrecy kills, honesty heals. So Jesus said to those people, Lazarus's peers, his friends, you guys gather around him and y'all take off his grave clothes. And as they removed his grave clothes, now Lazarus was not just alive, but Lazarus became free as well. And that's that's what Hope West does. We help people take off the grave clothes. We help folks get past their past. We help folks deal with the trauma that keeps them trapped. Uh, and we, we do what we can walking alongside them so they can experience freedom and hope. Now, you, you mentioned the, 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 the Trek program. We, we, we do that kind of, a, 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 kind of along a continuum. And on, on this end of the spectrum, we do a 90-day Christ-centered but clinically effective residential addiction treatment program. Uh, it's one of the few places in the country. There's a few others, but you know most places either do a great job with Jesus or they do a great job with clinical <laughs> stuff. But putting those two together uh, is few and far between, and and that's what we are. The Trek program is a nationally known, nationally respected, Christ-centered, clinically effective addiction treatment program. We treat men literally from all across North America. It's interesting, though, we're in Georgia. 60% of our clients come from outside uh, of the state of Georgia. Uh, We've had our fair share of folks from Mississippi and really folks from all over, uh, not just the continental U.S. We've had clients from Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, and, and, and everywhere in between. And what we try to do in that program is give guys who need that residential level of care, that intense treatment. This isn't a three-day intensive. Um, uh, this is this is 90 days, but it is an opportunity to go deep, to deal with the root causes, to deal with the trauma. So that's what the Trek program is. On this end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, and I guess that would be this end, um, is what we call peer-led support and accountability. And that's walking free for men who struggle with sex, uh, sexually addictive behavior and journey for the partners of those men who struggle with sexually addictive behavior. And we've written a curriculum. You, you guys use our curriculum there uh, at, at your ministry. 
Um, and that curriculum at this point, the latest men's, the walking to freedom module two has come out now. So there is uh, a full two years worth of curriculum for men or for partners to walk together with other folks that are in the same boat as you. Now, counselors use it as well, and, and, and other professionals and coaches use it. But really, we wrote it originally to be peer-led support and accountability. Uh, and so what HopeQuest does is, is those two things, track residential addiction treatment, walking free and journey, peer-led support and accountability, and then a, a fair amount of things in between. We have an intensive outpatient program. Uh, which is just a fancy name for uh, you, you don't go somewhere, you do it at your home, you live at home, but it's more intense. Instead of once a week with Roan in his office, it's three nights a week for three hours a night, plus a counseling session with a licensed therapist. Um, and so we just try to have different levels of care. So depending upon what you need, you can find what you need. And then we don't do intensives because there's a lot of awesome folks like uh, you and Eva and Jim Crest and Eli Machen and Marty Free and the folks at Faithful and True. There's a lot of great intensives out there. Um, and so we we don't do those because we wanted to find a niche that nobody else uh, was doing. And that's kind of uh, how the Trek program evolved. Uh, and that's what's become the Hope West Ministry Group. Uh, and I'm I'm privileged to be the leader, the CEO and co-founder we have a great team, and it's the team that makes things really work there. We've got a, a staff of 36, and they do the day in, day out. And uh, the beautiful thing I love about our team is everyone on our team has a personal relationship with Jesus and loves Jesus. Um, everyone on our team feels called by God to be there. It's not just a job. It's a ministry to them. Uh, and everyone on our team has a story. Uh, they may have struggled with addiction themselves. Uh, they may be the spouse of someone who struggles with addiction. They may be the, the, the child or the sibling of someone, but everyone has a story. Everyone's dealt with their own trauma. And it's just a beautiful family mm-hmm. of misfits, if you will, that God mm-hmm. is using to walk with people mm-hmm. impacted by addiction and help them experience freedom in life. Mm. Thank you, and uh, certainly uh, as a as a an endorsement, um, I've had uh, several uh, people, several men go through the uh, Trek program, and um, obviously I am a believer and highly recommend it uh, for the longer term care. And oftentimes, you know, I, I look back, you know, they're just back in the. There was no place to go. Exactly. Uh, you you, you I, yeah. could have probably used and benefited greatly from a trek if it had existed way back there in the dark ages when you uh Yes. You and and out. I would have gone. I, yeah. I I was not resistant. Well if you if you and, wouldn't have, Eva would have made you. Yeah, well that's very true. You know her well. Uh but man, I would have I would have been all in. Um so uh certainly for the longer term, um, and you and I've talked, you know, the 12 weeks, um, it, it's not, it's not 20 days. It's not 30 days. Yeah. It's, it's 12 weeks. And to really change you know, habits, to change these patterns, to change behavior, uh, I believe that that is the most effective um, way to do it. Yeah. Well, re- research shows and, and, and Mark Laser and Patrick Carnes have talked about this as well. You know, there's there's something magic, if you will, if I could use that term, about 90 days. 
And the reality mm-hmm. is if you're going to get down to the roots, uh, you can't get down to the roots in, in a weekend. You can't get down to the roots in 30 days. You, you, if you really want to eradicate this and get down to what motivates it and drives it, then, 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 then there, there comes a time when some guys need to go to that level. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's the best thing uh, that you could ever do. Um, I mean, regard, I mean, it's best money you could spend pays great dividends the rest yeah. of your life. And certainly the time uh, is worth uh, the, the effort. So yeah. far, far um, cheaper than a divorce yeah. attorney. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we first started our practice, we were in the office uh, with an attorney, a divorce attorney friend. We rented office space in his building, and it was really easy because I just look at these guys and go, "Look, dude, you need to get your act together. Otherwise, you're going down the hall, and I'm a lot cheaper. A lot so, cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's nothing. I mean, that's that's why Melissa and I do what we do, and that's what you and and the the reason you and Eva do what y'all do. Uh, marriages, marriages are impacted. Betrayal trauma is a real thing, but you can survive and you can not just survive. You can thrive. I think Melissa and I, and I think you and Eva would, rec- uh, would echo this, you know, our marriage today is kind of what we dreamed for when we signed up for it 30 some odd years ago. Absolutely. It's um, possible. And I celebrated our 40th anniversary and wow. I mean, we, we talked about it. That's uh, a long time. I can't that- believe Eva, man, Eva needs like a special gold medal. 40 years. She really does. Bro. Bless yeah, that's, her heart. That's, that's a marathon. That's a that's more than a marathon. That's uh, <laughs> like the Bataan Death March. Or well, it's above uh, and beyond the call of duty. It, it really is hazardous duty pay. Um, but I mean, the all that we've been through, and um, I mean, and we spent a lot of money, uh, a lot of time, a lot of tears, a lot of talking, uh, mucus and money. Uh, we always said that's what it takes uh, to. Uh, I like that to to get to where you want to be, but. I mean, we wouldn't trade uh, any of that. Um, I mean, for for where we are today and what we have, I mean, it is it is a gift, um, certainly uh, from God, and um, and we are I agree. We are blessed. I agree. And you know, just I mean, looking at you and Melissa, and I mean, uh, it, and even I and our story, y'all story, it's like, man, the the world would say, nope, there's no way. But the hope is that if you really um, like invest, engage, uh, and two people are willing, um, and it takes work uh, when there's been betrayal, but boy, there's so much hope. Um, and it's certainly one thing I love about our friendship and being able to share that with others in a, in a, just a, a great way. So Amen. man, it is always good to, uh, sit with you, uh, spend time together, uh, even yeah, if we're landing on a, uh, a glacier in Alaska, that's pretty fun too. Yeah. I tell you that the, the Alaska trip and landed on that gr- glacier and m- the me, you and Eli in that picture, that was, uh, uh, that was, that was, that was special. Yeah, no doubt. But man, uh, just so appreciate you guys, uh, and the work that you do. And if somebody, uh, wants to reach out and get more information, uh, how would, what would be the best way to do that? Hopequest.us. Hopequest.us. Everything you need to know is right there. Awesome. All right, sir. Well, 
good being with you, my friend. Likewise, uh, love and appreciate you guys. And uh, can't wait to uh, see y'all soon. Amen. Same, Same to you. Tell Melissa we said hello. Love you, bro. To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.